Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you are having a wonderful Cholomoed. I think all of us has had one of those Pesach moments when you realize the one thing you forgot. I remember many years ago showing up to Shul and realizing that I had a bag of pretzels in my pocket. Go figure. Last year, as our second Seder was ending, my son went into the kitchen and he looked at the bottle of wine that I'd used for our chorosis. I don't want to spoil the party, he said around 1 a.m., but this wine bottle says not for Pesach use. After weeks of intense preparation, I had managed to bring home a bottle of wine that did not have kosher for Pesach supervision. I think these things happen to all of us, and it just makes me think about how much we put into this time of year. From the first closet we clean in early March, to eating the last kazayat of matzah, Nissan is filled with the laws of the Chag. And yet, just as we're immersed in koshering pots and lining countertops, we consider the theme of love. Outside, flowers are budding. We read the Haggadah with its love images. And then we read Shira Shirim, the heart of love imagery in Tanakh. And so we have two different ideas on Pesach. We have the laws of Pesach that fill up Nisan. But then somewhere in the background, this idea of love is chirping. How do these two ideas work together? When it comes to religion, the Christian society around us focuses a lot on the idea of love. And we Jews also believe in love. But here's a question. If we're so worried about getting rid of the pretzels and the non-kosher wine, can we really have a Jewish life that's about passionate love? Or do we get lost in the laws? In this week's podcast, I want to talk about Pesach's dual message of love and laws And as we do so, we're going to explore the message of love through one of the most misunderstood works in all of Tanakh, all of Hebrew scripture, the Shira Shirim, the Song of Songs, which is, after all, a love song. What does it mean to love Hashem and the Torah? For that matter, what does it mean to love our loved ones? We're going to explore all this and more today. By the way, if you want to reach out to me with any questions or just connect, My email address is rabbibrodkin at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. The main love story for Pesach is Shira Shirim, Song of Songs, read on Shabbos during Cholamoid. And this short book is tantalizing. Its verses are packed with rich Hebrew, as well as images and fragrances of the land of Israel. Shira Shirim speaks openly about love, which it claims is stronger than death and cannot be quenched by all the waters in the world. Yet, classic rabbinic commentary views the sensual images of Shira Shirim as an allegory for the love between God and Israel. In fact, the art scroll translation of Shira Shirim does not even include a literal translation of the verses. A phrase like, your two breasts are like two fawns, is translated as something like, Moses and Aaron, who sustain you, are like two fawns. These translations seem far from the straightforward meaning of the verses. Taken out of context, it sounds kind of bizarre. 
But the important thing for us to grapple with is this. How did the rabbis know that Shira Shirim is an allegory? Maybe it's just a plain old love song. And as we try to unravel the song, we find that it's not simple. It reads like a back-and-forth conversation between two lovers, male and female. The female voice recalls and yearns for an intense love that she once had in the past. The lover, male at times, seems to be King Solomon, with imagery relating specifically to Shlomo and the Mikdash, the temple that he built. Another confusing element is that there's a third wheel in the conversation. Sometimes the female is talking to Shlomo, or the male lover, and at other times she's talking to another party, the daughters of Jerusalem, adjuring them not to disrupt her love. There's also sequences that beg for interpretation. For example, early on we have a parable where the female bemoans that the male lover is pastoring his flock of sheep somewhere, and she is wound up in a flock that's not hers. Soon after that, she compares her lover to the horses of Paro's army. Is it possible to explain all of this as a simple love song? Personally, I'll tell you, I've tried to read through this as a straight love song, and I was unable to understand it that way. As you try to read Shira Shiram in a literal way, you will see that something is happening beneath the surface that calls for interpretation. And as we go about this interpretive process, it's important to look at this Shira in light of the rest of Tanakh, Jewish scripture. And here's a couple of things to consider. First, the use of allegory is prevalent in Tanakh. Take the classic example of Yeshayahu's futuristic and messianic vision of the wolf lying down together with the lamb, a metaphor for future world peace. Now, why did Yeshayahu choose an allegory to convey his message of peace? He could have skipped the allegory and said something like, in the future, superpowers that are armed to the tooth will be at peace with small countries. He didn't do that. He felt that the image of the lamb and the wolf lying down together would hit us in a more visceral way and get us closer to the message that he was aiming to teach us. Allegory is used because it's effective. And in addition, as we read this song, there's another Tanakh theme for us to consider. The idea that Israel is in a love relationship with Hashem. The prophet Hosea can, compares Israel to a bride. And Yermiyahu too describes Israel like a lover following her beloved into an unsown land. The idea that there is a relationship between God and Israel, and that's a love relationship, is deeply embedded within Tanakh. When the female lover here in Shirashirim declares, Take us to your inner chamber, and we shall rejoice and exalt in you. This verse is well understood as a metaphor for Israel rejoicing in God, especially in light of so many verses in Tanakh. And there's much more. Take the phrase, Benos Yerushalayim, daughters of Jerusalem, which appears so often in Shir Shirim. In other places in Tanakh, this phrase refers to the non-Jewish nations, it's not surprising, then, that this is how our rabbis interpreted its usage here as well. And so, in summary, the idea that Shira Shirim is allegorical makes very good sense in light of Tanakh, as well as the Shira's own internal imagery and language. And consequently, we can appreciate when commentaries like Rashi, where they're coming from, 
Rashi explains that in this shira, the main speaker is Israel, speaking about her love for God, for Hashem, sometimes interchangeable with King Shlomo, which is also a reference to the idea of shalom, peace or harmony, which is one of God's names. Rashi opens his commentary as follows. Ein mikra There is no verse that leaves its plain and simple meaning. Even though the prophets spoke their words allegorically, Rashi says, the allegory needs to be reconciled with its form and its order, just as the verses are ordered one after the other. We need to understand the literal meaning of the verses and their deep, deeper implication. The sensual images are not to be concealed or censored, but they're to be understood both in a simple level but also for the deeper truths they point to. Rashi works the entire song following the Shira as a sequential history of our relationship with Hashem from Sinai through exile. Let's take a look at one broad theme of this Shira, namely that the lover is lovesick for her beloved. In chapter 3, we find the following images. Al mishkavi belelos bikashti es nafshi, on my bed at night, I sought him for whom my soul pines. I fought, sought him and did not find him. I arise and go out to the marketplaces and streets. I seek him. I grab him and do not let him loose until I bring him to the house of my mother, the room where I was conceived of. I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem, do not disturb the love. This is a great example of something that doesn't seem like just a love song. Why is it important to bring the lover to the same room that your mother conceived you? Why is the lover speaking to the daughters of Jerusalem? Rashi elaborates, Israel is in exile, pining for its relationship with Hashem, longing to bring her lover, the divine presence back to the place where she was conceived, the holy city of Yerushalayim. To help us connect with this, the image of the lover, unable to sleep, consumed with passion, is so tangible and real. It's something we can relate to. And putting it this way helps us rethink how we love Hashem. A major mitzvah in the Torah is, Hashem lo kecha, You shall love Hashem your God. But what does that mean? Look no farther than this shira, this song, for an answer. The Rambam teaches us that we learn from this shira what it means to love Hashem. A lover sleeps, eats, drinks, and dreams about their beloved. Ever sit down at the high school cafeteria with someone who is lovesick? You can look at the blank stare on their face and know exactly what's on their mind. The Rambam tells us Look at the verses of Shira Shirim. Look at the lover wandering the streets in search of her love. This is a hint of what it means to have a love relationship with Hashem. Just like a lover is consumed with love, so too we are consumed with Hashem. Maybe you've had a moment in life where you can relate to that. I think back to when I was 19 years old and I first came home from a summer yeshiva learning experience. It was my first yeshiva experience. I came home and I threw myself into learning Gemara for hours each day by myself in my room. There's just these times where we connect to that passion. 
But as we've already alluded to, there is another critical factor to the passion. There is love, but we also need laws. Passion grows in where you're in a healthy environment, where there are rules and parameters that make love sustainable. Just think about a loving home. A loving home doesn't thrive in a dirty, wild forest. A loving home develops within four walls, inside of a defined place where people love each other, but also have rules and expectations they'll follow. In my home today, we have rules about cleaning up together after dinner. We need those parameters. That's where love can last. Or consider the Seder itself. It's a night of great passion. But to reach that passion, you have to study the laws of the Seder and fulfill it kilchaso kumishpato according to its many halachos and laws. And that's so much of the Pesach experience. During the weeks leading to the Chag, we're immersed in the detailed laws that bring us to the height of the Seder. And the Seder, in turn, leads us to counting the Omer as we walk toward Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. In all of this, there is love and there are laws. There's passion and there's parameters about how we express our love. We can often approach Judaism in a logical way. We know why we do it. We've studied. We've learned it. We can relate to its logic. But then we turn to Shira Shirim, and we realize that logic is not the end of the story. There's something that's so passionate. That passion is the love described in this song, but it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Any love relationship has both rules and passion. You fall in love with someone. There's great passion. But you have laws that guide the passion. Laws can be as fundamental as do not commit adultery, or as mundane as please be available for dinner every Tuesday night at 6. When lovers have agreements, laws as it were, their relationship has a foundation upon which the passion endures. The same is true in our relationship with Hashem. The love and the laws are two sides of the same coin. And that's what this time of year is all about. At the very time we're immersed in the laws of Pesach, we discover the passion of Shira Shirim. And that's not a coincidence. Shira Shirim is that inner passion and fire. And now, during the days of the Omer, the path continues. For example, we can find so much passion as we learn Pirkei Avos and consider its timeless lessons about personal growth but we still have those parameters. After all, every night after dark, we fulfill the halacha at the precise time and count another day of the Omer. Together, these two truths form a beautiful harmony. And so as you walk towards Har Sinai, remember the love and the laws, the passion and the parameters. And as you do so, you'll discover the meaning of this shira, this song, which teaches us Mayim rabim lo yuchlu lechabos esa'ava. Many waters cannot quench love, and all the rivers cannot drown it. It's been great to connect with you again. I hope you'll tune in next week as we talk about personal development during the Omer weeks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to tell your friends about us and give us a five-star rating. For more information, check out rabbikenbrodkin.com. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.